Welcome to the Quickfire Podcast. My name is Nathan Jackson, joined here by Nathan Farmer, here to bring you another week of exciting UVU sports. Nathan, take it away. Yeah, women's basketball. They had a decent week. Unfortunately, split their road trip this week, beating Seattle U on Thursday, 67-61, before losing at Cal Baptist on Saturday, 84-59. Josie Williams, she is on fire. How does the NBA Jam announcer word it? God, that might be... It's been a couple years since I played NBA Jam. She's heating up. She's already on fire. But uh, she set two new career highs in points this week. Uh, Broke her career high on Thursday against Seattle U, going for 28 points, and then broke it again on Saturday, going for 31. Um, Unfortunately, she was the only Wolverine in double figures in that game on Saturday, going up against uh, fellow WAC Player of the Year candidate, Caitlin Harper, who went off for 29 points for the Lancers. Uh, Josie Williams, she was named uh, WAC Player of the Week. Seemed pretty obvious. (laughs) Not very many people had, well, obviously nobody had as good of a week as she did. And she also recorded two double-doubles in the process. She is, I'm not sure specifically, I believe she's in the top three or four nationally in double-doubles. Utah Valley University, more like double-double university. Double-double <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, well, I don't think... Maybe that. in the next few years we can uh, get some Kyle Collinsworth recruits and uh, be triple-double U. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> But they are returning home for their final homestand of the season this week, facing off against Grand Canyon on Thursday and New Mexico State on Saturday. Two very winnable games. They just beat both of those teams on the road a couple weeks ago. Women's basketball is currently in fourth place in the conference at 9-7 and seven in conference play, half a game up on Sam Houston and a full game up on Abilene Christian. Uh, sweep would lock them into the four seed. They can't move up because Cal Baptist is in the third spot and they swept the season series against UVU. So even if they were tied, they would still relinquish that yeah, spot. That wouldn't really change much. Well, it would if they were able to move up to three. That would mean that they're off of uh, Stephen F. Austin's side of the bracket, which would be better, but it's not. It, the end it's of almost the world. like a pick your poison. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing where you're like, do you want to face them in the finals or the semifinals? It's, it's really, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, because these are two really important games. Home games this season. It's your final home game, uh, back-to-back of the season. And you just came off of a pretty humiliating loss to Cal Baptist, where you weren't in that game at all, with the exception of Josie Williams, who had a stellar performance. Can the team rally come back and get to the, back to playing the defense that they were playing during that five-game win streak? Yeah, for sure. Anything other than a sweep that would risk them falling as far as the eight seed, which is it's insane. Yeah, like that's, that's how tightly contested this yeah. woman's side of the bracket is. It is absolutely nuts. Where you can literally be a lock for the four spot, or as far as the bottom seed in the tournament. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's so crazy. I mean, you just going from UVU in fourth, nine and seven, Sam Houston nine and eight, Abilene Christian eight and eight. Tarleton, Lamar, and UTRGV, all seven and nine. And I'm not sure how the tiebreakers work mm-hmm. with UVU and those teams. But if UVU loses both of those games, and I don't, I'm, I'm sure at least one of those teams is playing against the other in this final week, um, mm-hmm. I would imagine. 
But I mean, that's it's setting just, up for a photo finish. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that's just so kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we could, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but the both men's and women's sides of the conference are like completely up in the air. Nothing's decided yet, aside from Stephen F. Austin being whack champions <laughs> on the women's side, but pretty much nothing else is locked in. When I mean, you even look at UVU, they're nine and seven. They haven't had the greatest season, especially after how they played last season. And they're still fourth in the conference. Yeah. And that just shows you how volatile this woman's side of the bracket is where you can be nine and seven, almost 500. And you were among the top four teams in the conference, but you could also be among the bottom four in the conference in an in instant. Yeah. I mean, that's what's just so great about college basketball. I mean, Anything can happen. I mean, this is going to be one of the... I, I'm so excited to be in Vegas this I, week for the, for the conference tournament just because, I mean, these there's there's going to be so there's, many really There's going to be games. photo finishes for yeah. sure because all these teams are so close. And yeah, there's been some blowouts, especially UVU recently has been blowing teams out. But you can't count out these whack teams. Like mm-hmm. every single team. I mean, look at uh, in the, on the men's side. Uh, was it Chicago State? Chicago State. Beat buzzer beater. State. That's, on, on New Mexico State. That's and, unreal. Oh, I, I, saw, I love March. I love March. Oh, yeah. When I saw uh, the guy at Wacoops Digest posted, like, if you had placed... Shout out to at Wacoops Digest. Yeah. <laughs> he said, if you had placed a $100 bet on Chicago State just to win outright against uh, New Mexico State, you would have walked away with, like, over $100,000 just on that one bet alone, which... It makes would, me want to get into sports betting, but at the same time... I know that is so dangerous. Yeah, so it's like for every one of those... You probably lose that, like 15. <laughs> no, you lose like a million. Yeah. I mean, that's... that's it, it was, was like... I mean, out of nowhere performance. Yeah, I mean, it was... They, people were saying that it's like one of the biggest upsets this century in college basketball, not just... And like you don't year. expect that coming out of the whack, but I mean, it yeah. was quite the upset, especially New Mexico State team that was number one in the conference. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of men's basketball, they swept their final home stand of the season, beating Seattle U 67 to 52 and beating Cal Baptist 63 to 54. Uh, Florida's AMAC had double doubles on both games, scoring for 19 points and 18 rebounds on Thursday and 20 points and 16 rebounds on Saturday. Dawes was named the Black Player of the Week for the second week in a row and the fifth time this season. The Wolverines head out on a road trip for their final two games of the season at GCU and at New Mexico State. That GCU game is going to be a real indicator of how well the Wolverines are able to regroup. The Wolverines just hosted GCU a couple weeks back and honestly got embarrassed at home uh, in that second half. They just got lit up from the three-point line. Men's basketball, they had a player meet, players-only meeting after that loss to Grand Canyon and kind of let all things air. Connor Harding wouldn't go into any details about what was said. But um, aside from the that game against Dixie State, they've looked really good since then. I mean, even then they just kind of choked down the stretch. They should have won that game against State. They've looked really good uh, since then. So I think it should be interesting to see how they respond in front of that hostile crowd on Thursday, for sure. And that is a brutal final two-game stand because oh, yeah. you're literally going up against two of the top teams in the conference, which yeah. ECU is, I believe, top four. New Mexico State is in the one or two spot. I believe they might have yeah. fallen. Yeah, New Mexico State, they're in first. Um, and Grand Canyon, they're fifth. Fifth. But... Um, I mean, the top six, right? The top five. I mean, well, the top three is really tight, all within a game of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle, U, New Mexico State, and Stephen F. Austin. And the insane part is that UVU easily handled Seattle U. That Seattle U team looked super vulnerable. Oh, yeah. 
when they came into the UCCU, UCCU Center. So it's like every single night you feel like you're getting a look at a different team in the way. Yeah, well, and that's one thing that, I mean, people were kind of just so surprised about Seattle U is because nobody was expecting a big it, whack performance out of Yeah, them. and so it's like part of me is wondering if they're just kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. But then we say that they'll probably go ballistic yeah, in their final two games. It's yeah. just impossible to tell. In these two games against GCU and New Mexico State, a sweep of both games could mean moving up to the fourth seed in the WAC, while a split or getting swept could mean moving down to the seven or eight seed. Again, playing in the first round of the WAC tournament on Tuesday, where either they're on the same bubble as the women's team, where they could be as high as the top four or as low as the top bottom four. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so wild is that um, I believe out of the top four, New Mexico State, Seattle U, Stephen F. Austin, and Sam Houston, all four of those teams could still clinch an outright conference title at this point in the season. Uh, Sam Houston, I think, has the longest odds because they're a game and a half. Basically, behind. every other team would need to lose, lose a game. Yeah, lose both of their lose games. Lose both their games. But I mean, that's just what's so great about March, man. It's, Anything can happen. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sam Houston win the conference. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like You just never know what's going to happen with March. I can say with assurity that we're not going to be just in attendance for UVU games. Like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm going to be at that arena, at the Orleans Arena, all day watching all of those games play oh, out. Oh yeah, seriously. That's I mean, that's 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 the beauty of basketball in March, where you can literally just watch basketball all the time. Oh yeah, and, and that's the thing. And there's still going to be there's going to be games everywhere else. Yeah, the too. West Coast Conference tournament, I believe that overlaps a little bit. Does not. Uh, so the finals are on Tuesday, so there's not going to be much overlap, but just a. little. Mm -hmm. Part of me is hoping, personally, as somebody who's I've covered the BYU women's team, I'm mm -hmm. hoping that we'll be down there in time. Hoping, depending on when the game starts, because we should be down there by noon. Yeah, I mean that would be that's the ideal situation. I wouldn't mind forking over a, an Uber. Some, <laughs> yeah, well, just forking over some money in general just to be able to get in to watch that game. Yeah, I that mean, would be awesome. Yeah. Switching gears now, moving over to the Diamond baseball. They went one and three. On the weekend, speaking of the West Coast Conference at San Francisco, uh, in game one, the offense never got going, uh, losing 7-1. to one. I believe they just had four hits in that one. Connor Hall went deep for the lone run for the Wolverines in that one. Um, they lost the first game of Saturday's doubleheader 4-1. to one. Uh, Three errors cost the Wolverines in that one and led to two USF runs. Um, and then out of nowhere, the offense just woke up in the second game of that doubleheader, uh, beating the Dons 12 to five. Uh, they scored five runs in the fourth and three in the seventh. Trey Cutchin, Mick Madsen, Mitch Morales, and Copper Hansen each had three or more hits. Uh, Morales drove in two runs and Hansen drove in four. Be nice to see the offense kind of spread things out a little bit. They've been, I think, either ice cold or insanely yeah, I mean, hot. Yeah, I mean, looking back at that game, uh, the second game of the doubleheader against uh, Texas State, I mean, they only put up five runs in that one, but that was uh, the season high up to that point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe it's just something about the second game of doubleheaders that makes them <laughs> break out of their slump, whatever it is. I'm not sure what. But then Sunday's finale uh, was tied up at three after four innings, but the Wolverines weren't able to put any more runs across. After that, the Dons scored uh, one in the fifth and two in the seventh to win that one six to three. And you're not going to win 
a baseball game, regardless of how well your pitching staff is doing, you're not going to win a baseball game if you're not getting hits for the final five innings. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing. I mean, it's... I mean, we're starting to see it more in spurts uh, where we didn't really see it at all with the team last year with the offense breaking out last season. I mean, I I forget the stat, but it was something like more than half of the games last season. They didn't score more than four runs. It was like 30 out of the 50 games or something like that. So hopefully we'll see more of these offensive outbursts as the season goes on. Another thing that I noticed was uh, really solid this weekend. Uh, was the bullpen. They allowed six runs over 18 innings of work over the over the four games, which it isn't the best, but it's, it's something you can work on. And they've been doing better than the pitching, the starting pitching, which Coach Smith has said that's that's kind of a, I wouldn't say a weakness, but it's a, a much younger than like the hitters and stuff like that. So they're, um, that's one thing that you can build on. Like if you have an area of strength the other pieces are going to fall into place as time goes on baseball though open whack play this weekend renewing the old hammer rivalry with dixie state a three-game series this weekend in st george i was kind of surprised to see that they're already going into conference play they've only played eight games so far that does mean that they'll have lots more non-conference games later in the season which i think is good to kind of space things out a little bit. So for the listeners, unlike basketball, where you play all of your non-conference at once in baseball, it's spaced out where you can play conference and non-conference interchangeably. Yeah. And there's, they have, um, what they call bi-weeks, uh, sprinkled in, like just looking at the schedule here, the end of March, they'll have a four game series at Cal state Bakersfield, a, a former whack opponent, but, uh, they're no longer in the conference. Um, so they'll have a week off where they're not playing in conference, but they're still playing another team. Um, I believe they have another later in the season. Uh, yeah, they play at Washington State uh, the first weekend in May. That's one thing that I think is kind of cool about baseball is you just kind of space things out a little bit. Not You don't get... It's not three, four games in a week. Or it is, but it's not the majority of your season over the span of one or two months. Yeah. So like you like college basketball, you get all your conference games at once. Yeah. So you're not seeing like, say like, it's kind of like the, um, how the bigger conferences do like the, the big 12 sec challenge, yeah. like first week of February or something like that. This you get, that's kind of the standard with baseball, which I think is kind of cool. Honestly, it's a nice change of piece. Moving on to track and field, they have their first outdoor meet of the season, uh, the beach opener at Long Beach State on March 4th and 5th. They'll also await potential nominations to the NCAA championships in Birmingham, Alabama on March 11th and 12th. And that's for the indoor season, I believe. Yeah. It is champ week for the wrestling team as they go to Tulsa, Oklahoma on March 5th and 6th for the Big 12 championships. Good luck to the wrestling team. Hopefully we can have some big performances out of them. Yeah, looking for Taylor Lamont and lots of other guys. Lots of guys have had really big seasons. Evan Bachman. Yeah, as a team, they've had kind of a, a somewhat disappointing season, but it should be plenty of individual performances to look out for as they go after a Big 12 championship. Definitely won't see a team championship. There's way too many really good wrestling teams in the Big 12. But, um, I mean, we're taking we're going to Vegas. Unfortunately, after the Big 12 championships, but I'd take it to Vegas that I think we're going to see at least one Big 12 champion out of the UVU wrestling team this year. 
you've seen it in the past. There's a lot of room for opportunity for you to really put, get your name out there and prove yourself in this Big 12 tournament. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and this is the Big 12. I mean, I'm not super familiar with conferences as far as uh, wrestling goes, but just judging by the caliber of the teams that UVU has been going against, Big 12 is one of the top conferences in the nation in wrestling. I know the Big 10 is really big too. Uh, Iowa is always one of the top conferences and, or excuse me, one of the top schools in wrestling. It's going to be tough, but I, I'm, like I said, I think you're going to have some nice surprises in that yeah, tournament. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on to golf, women's golf, they'll be heading to the UTRGV Invitational on March 7th and 8th. And men's golf, they'll be traveling to Bandon, Oregon for the Bandon Dunes Championship. That one's hosted by the Idaho Vandals. That uh, tournament is March 6th through 8th. Moving on to softball, they went 3-2 and two on the weekend, including a barn burner against the Nevada Wolfpack on Friday. The Wolverines won that one 14-13 in nine innings. Games normally go to seven. Uh, and then came right back and beat them again the next morning, 7-3. to three. They lost to Weber State and Winthrop, but won the last game over Winthrop on Sunday, 8-0. to zero. Softball has lots of games this week with a doubleheader against Northern Colorado on Thursday, another game against UNC on Friday, and a doubleheader against Wisconsin and Colorado State on Saturday, then another doubleheader against CSU and St. Mary's on Sunday. That is a lot of coverage. Yeah, that's two, three, five, that's seven games. As a sports editor, that is a nightmare for me. (laughs) In a four-day span, I mean, that's that's a lot of games. Got to give shout out to Gavin, who will be covering these. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, moving on to women's soccer, they kicked off their spring season on Saturday. They beat Dixie State 3-0. That's the correct term for soccer. Yes, for soccer. <laughs> they I learned that this season. Yeah, they beat them 3-0 in St. George. Uh, I saw a funny video from them. Women's soccer, they're always like one of the more active uh, social on social media. And they stopped at Coldstone after the game on Saturday and there's a video of actually I don't know if it was Cold Stone it might have been somewhere else but uh the whoever the person like making the ice cream like rolled it up into a ball flung it up in the air and then I I want to say it was Julie Carter or somebody caught it in their cup from like 10 feet away I was like whoa what in the world <laughs> it's not it's definitely not something you see every day <laughs> yeah I mean that was I was what maybe heck? a potential good fit for the lacrosse team? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, moving on to some news and notes, the Utah Jazz were back in action last week. They defeated the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. I believe that was your prediction that they would go two and zero without Chris Paul, and you were right. Although the Jazz did almost blow an eight to n- an eight point lead with a minute left in Phoenix, if it wasn't for Jay Crowder's errant pass that went over the head of Devin Booker. Gosh, I. I- I was watching, I watched the first half of that game and then I had to move on to go do some homework, unfortunately. But um, I, after the game, after I was, saw like the highlights and they're like, what the heck is Jay Crowder doing? I, it, it, like you had a timeout too. That was the most frustrating yeah. thing. It's like a sports fan just watching that game. It's like yeah. you have the ball and a timeout down two after the other team missed a shot and mm-hmm. he, he just sailed it into the third row. It, honestly, I'm not. I'm surprised that they didn't give him the DeAndre Jordan treatment and wave him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, oh my goodness, I that <laughs> when I saw that, that I watched thing, that entire that video, Lakers game. That video from DeAndre Jordan, he just like sends it like ten rows deep, and it was not even like <laughs> like an overthrow. Like 
That ball was 10 rows deep and he put that up from like full court. That was a full yeah. court pass over the head and he sent that to like the popcorn guy at the popcorn stand. <laughs> like that was ridiculous. And the next morning, the, the Lakers waved him. Sounds like the 76ers are going to pick him up. But man, the Lakers are in trouble. I watched that entire game. That was not fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, um, just going back to that video, um, it reminds me of one of my all-time favorite videos I've ever seen. Maybe I wouldn't go that far. I believe it was in the, the Warriors' last run to the finals. I think it was the year they lost to the Raptors. There was um, Andre Iguodala got ejected from the game. He was technically going for a full-court shot, but I don't think he was. I think he was just... He just kind of chucked the ball into the stands. Yeah, and it went like... 40 rows deep. I think I remember. Because like, I, I, I guarantee absurd. you this was on Shaq and a Fool. Yeah, I mean, it was... I'm like, Andre, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is... We're getting, a, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but I specifically <laughs> remember Terrence Ross throwing a ball and beaming a Knicks fan with glasses in the face. Oh. And like her glasses popped off and she had a cut on her face. I was oh, like, no. oh. <laughs> oh no. So moral of the story is... Uh, Make better passes and stop shooting full court shots, period. Yeah, unless it's final second, don't. Just, just don't put it just up. Don't. Just Or get better at full court shots. Like, I'm not that great of a basketball player, but I can tell you I can at least graze rim from full court. It's not yeah. that hard to put it online. Yeah. This week, the Jazz are on the road for a four-game stand at Houston, at New Orleans, at OKC, and at Dallas. I think that those are pretty winnable games, uh, although New Orleans has been on kind of a hot streak since they picked up C.J. McCollum. Uh, I don't think that they're necessarily on a hot streak enough to beat Utah. Utah's found their stride a little bit. Donovan Mitchell's look really good. They're healthy. So I think that the Jazz win at Houston. I think that they win at New Orleans. I'd say that they'll lose at OKC. I think OKC is just a hard arena to play in. And I mean, you played a game on Friday. You're going to play another game on Monday at Dallas. I think that they can beat Dallas. They've always had Dallas's number and Porzingis is never playing. So I believe he even got, he got traded. So... I mean, I, I like Dinwiddie. Playing. I like Dinwiddie on that Dallas team, but I don't think that that solves their problems. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they'll go three and one. Three and but one. I think they're gonna lose that game to Dallas just because it's the last game. Of, well, I believe it's the last game of the road trip. I'm not. Let me double check that. It me, appears to be the last game of the road trip, but also, I mean, you. Ha I can understand what you're saying. Where it's the second night of a back to back on a Monday. That last game. It's a really compact road trip of four games in six days. I mean, that's, that's tough for any team. Especially, you got to take into account travel time. And I, I realized that Houston and Dallas and OKC, they're not yeah, those, necessarily like super far apart where you're having yeah. to fly like all over the country. But at the same time, it's not... I mean, you get players get jet lag. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to take bus rides. Like, it's going to be exhausting. Yeah, and you never know, like, say, like somebody like Mike Conley might not play both games to the back-to-back because -back he's, he's had an injury history, as Jazz fans all know. So, I mean, that's that's one thing that you kind of have to take into account. Um, guys like, I mean, any of their big three, Conley, Mitchell, or Gobert sitting one of those games of the back-to-back, -back, you never really know. But I, either way, I... I think three I and one be, is a good number. I think this is the first time we've agreed that... Yeah, well, we didn't agree on who they were going yeah, to lose to. I, like, I so. just think that OKC, I mean, I really like Gilgis Alexander. I like that team, Josh Giddy, right? Uh, but... I just think that that's a harder arena to play in than Dallas is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Luca's disgusting, right? Like he's obviously one of the best players in the league, but I just think that the Jazz are a better matchup for the Mavericks than they are for the for OKC. Yeah, and that's one of those games that game against Dallas is pretty important. I mean, it's a 
Dallas is right behind the Jazz in the standings right now, two and a half games back. Granted, there's not much. I mean, well, it's a battle for the four seed right now. So, I mean, you'd be this, you're essentially playing for home court advantage in that first round series. Uh-huh. And we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. About a quarter of the season left. Um, so all these games are really after the All Star break. All teams seem like they pick it up. Normally, it's the Trailblazers. I don't think that's going to happen this season. They just don't have the personnel no, anymore. No, no they're. I mean, they're they're still in the hunt for play in tournament, but I mean, they could beat a Lakers team in the play in tournament. That's for sure. I want to backpedal a little bit to that Suns game again. My favorite moment of that game was not actually that Jake Crowder pass. It was actually uh, Jordan Clarkson had like twenty two points in the night, and uh, he's starting to get a little bit more confident as he makes each shot. And uh, with about two minutes left, the Suns are kind of starting to make their rally because they were down 11, I believe. Mm. Uh, and Jordan Clarkson has the ball and Donovan Mitchell calls for the pass and Clarkson waves him off and takes a step back three, airballs it. I was like, eh. and then I was like, yeah, that's the Jordan Clarkson I remember <laughs> from when he played on the Lakers, right? Uh, and then... <laughs> I kid you not, two seconds later, they called Royce O'Neal off the bench to come get him. <laughs> like, Jordan Clarkson is just not a guy you can have in at the end of games. And I think that uh, Quinn Snyder was kind of experimenting a little bit. He's like, all right, let's see what he does. And he, you wave off Donovan Mitchell, you're going to the bench. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it was not like a close air ball either. I'm talking like wide left. Well, is there a close air ball? I mean, that's... Like, I, I mean, it can be online and be that's, an air ball, but okay, I'm, t- yeah. I'm talking like uh, three feet to the left of the basket. Like, he was bad. <laughs> Final wrap-up, men's basketball, NCAA. There was six of the top 10 teams that lost in the same day. Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's. actually seven. Seven of it the top 10 top teams. top six, and then uh, number nine, uh, Texas Tech. I did not realize lost. that. Yeah. Yes, I mean, that's... I mean, I, I watched that... Uh, <laughs> that game, uh, Gonzaga versus St. Mary's. Somehow Gonzaga managed to stay number one, which, I mean, I understand, but I also don't understand. It's fair, because every team underneath them also lost... Yeah. And St. Mary's is a team that has been ranked. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think they're the only, I mean, I think Kansas lost to Baylor, which, I mean, that's... That's not a bad loss. Yeah. But also, this season, man, like, you had, literally have Villanova, who's in the top 10, and they have six losses. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just Big East and the Big 12, I would say, are probably top two basketball conferences. I mean... Providence, somehow they snuck out with a Big East championship. I don't understand how that happened. I believe they lost to Villanova tonight, mm-hmm. and then they they lost to Villanova earlier in the season, but I think that's the only, really the only team that they've had uh, lots of trouble with. Villanova just kind of has their number. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Villanova, they're going to be the most dangerous team out of the Big East in the tournament. Which is funny, because I remember watching that Villanova team against Michigan State at the beginning of the season, and they looked... They did not look like a top 10 team at all. That's one of those uh, tournaments that I, I always look forward to, the Big East tournament. Um, you get so many classic games out of that tournament. I mean, you get Cardiac Kemba a few yeah. years ago. I mean, that was, well, a few years ago. That was 10 years ago. Yeah, it, <laughs> we're getting old. We got to, yeah. I, I, I say a few years ago as well. I still treat Kevin Durant playing in OKC like it was a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, that top to bottom, that that's one of the better conferences. But, it, I mean, you really can't top the ACC tournament ACC is it's like premier basketball and I, I think it's arguable but at the same time like when you have teams like Syracuse and NC State that take out the Dukes and the Chapel Hills it's just so much fun to watch yeah I mean that's one thing like I remember I believe it was like Boston College they made a run a few years ago when they were like it's so ridiculous how many teams are in that conference they were like oh yeah it's, they were like it's the insane. 16 seed or whatever yeah 
and then they they beat like Duke or something in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's I mean, it's we, so much fun to watch. Yeah, this is the time of year where I have my phone on the back of the chair during class, and I got March oh, yeah. Madness blasting. I don't, oh, yeah. Obviously, like you keep this noise down, but I've been doing that since third grade. Oh yeah, I mean that's <laughs> pulling yeah. it up on the school computers. Yeah, I mean, I remember I would watch. Um, we'd have like Chromebooks and stuff in like last few years of high school. Um, and I would just pull up games. I mean, this time of year, you get basketball on all day, every day for like the next three weeks, it seems like. And the best part about it is like, you literally have a game just playing in the background and then you kind of zone in in the final two minutes when both teams are hitting like back-to-back clutch shots and then somebody hits a buzzer beater. Like it's just, the excitement is unparalleled across sports, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just remembered last year, I forget what the the very, very first game of the NCAA tournament was. But it was like easily, well, not one easily. Of the, it was like one of the top games of the tournament. Guy made a buzzer beater three to send the game to overtime. And like I was watching it. I was just like getting ready for school or work or something. And my roommates were just, they're not sports fans at all. But they went absolutely they're losing ballistic it, right? when, that game, when that shot Reminds went Reminds me in. of, speaking of the biggies, you had um, UConn and Providence with that those back-to-back clutch threes oh, yeah. and then the full court heave to tie the game and send it to overtime. And then that game also ended in a buzzer beater in overtime. That was insane. So like you have so many great moments and I feel like every year it does, it does not disappoint. There's always at least one or two games that are, in my mind, games of the year. Right? Well, that, that's one thing that's super cool about like ESPN Plus is pretty much every single game is on TV now. Yeah. I mean... Granted, not everybody has ESPN Plus, so that makes. I mean, you have to pay seven fifty a month, which I, as a, as a sports fan, it's not fan, bad. It, yeah, yeah, I pay for that just because it's like I, I use even it. if it's like I just love having something on, even yeah. if it's like college soccer and it's another. It's not UVU. I yeah. I still enjoy watching those events. What we're talking about March Madness. I mean, we have to talk about women's basketball. Caitlin Clark. Oh One of the most goodness. unreal players in the she, nation. The female Jimmer, man. Like, she, that's insane. I, I, I kid you not. She pulled from half court, like the, the top of the M in Michigan. And she went off against Michigan twice. She dropped thir- over 30 points on Michigan yeah. twice. And some of those shots were like, I kid you not, like Hezzy, in and out, step back, step back again. Uh, shot over. T- I remember I saw she was triple teamed. She split the double, then stepped back over the third defender and splashed the three. She is unreal. Women's basketball, I've I've been sleeping on it. I've I have to hate to admit that I'm like part of the problem. Like, well, I wouldn't say I'm part of the problem. I've I've always respected women's basketball. I'll watch BYU women's basketball, but I don't really care about anybody else. Essentially, that's fair. As a fan growing up, but like women's college basketball in the past few years, the amount of championship games, yeah, like Notre Dame that ended in buzzer beaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember Mississippi State knocking off UConn with that buzzer beating yeah. shot. And then mm-hmm. Okumbawali hitting the shot against Mississippi State in the championship. It was unbelievable. One of the reasons I feel like women's college basketball has kind of slept on for the last, like up until the last few years is because there's a lot more parity now. I feel like, I mean, you still get like UConn and those teams that are kind of dominant, UConn, South Carolina. But you don't have a UConn going on a 120-something game win streak across four seasons. Yeah, I mean, it was like the similar complaints to like how to the Warriors. Like you knew it was going to be the Warriors versus the Cavs. You knew it'd be UConn versus somebody like Notre Dame or or, South Carolina or something. Um, But you're not really getting that anymore. You're seeing 
Lots more teams step up. You see Arizona, Iowa, Michigan. Shout out to my former university, NC State women's. They're yeah, ranked that, in the top that four. Too. I mean, that's and I mean, and now you're seeing BYU just down the road. I mean, yeah, I think, 17 in the nation. Yeah, they. I really hope that they host a first round game. It would. I mean, that'd just be so huge for uh, women's sports in Utah County in general. Um, just because I do, I do feel like that they don't get a lot, whole lot of traction. Yeah, I mean, I I was at that game covering it for ESPN 960, that uh, record-breaking game against Gonzaga where they they drew, like, I believe it was like 6,300 fans, which is like two-thirds of the lower bowl at the Marriott Center. It's a drop in the bucket. It's a third of capacity there at the Marriott Center. I mean, the men's team drew. And I'm sure sure it's still electric, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's nowhere near the number of people that are drawn for men's games, right? Mm. But I don't think that, especially with BYU and UVU, I feel like the competition is there. I mean, we've been at games where UVU has blown teams out of the water. Even these last couple of games uh, on that Mm. five-game win streak where... They were annihilating. And if there was a crowd there, it would have been an electric atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's just one thing that, I mean, women's sports, like, people just need to give it a shot. And I feel like it's it's starting to catch on, right? Uh, people are starting to watch at least women's college basketball a lot more. And what mm-hmm. players like Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers, they kind of help bring that in because they're, like, not only, ho- like, they've become household names, but they were social media phenoms, right? Mm. They were well-known before they got to college. They got to college and then they still performed well and people want to see those people and follow their journey. And when you get players like that, like the LaMelo balls of the NBA into the WNBA, I feel like that's where you start to get more viewership. Yeah, I mean, I think one, like you could even say that just the traction that women's sports is gaining, you could kind of just attribute it back to the uh, U.S. Women's National Team for soccer. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they just won that lawsuit because a lot of arguments are that women's sports don't get as much viewership or ratings mm-hmm. as the men's sports. But the U.S. Women's National Team is largely popular, even more so, I would say, than the men's team. Yeah, I mean, and so it just it's inexcusable for them to say that they're not making the same amount of money. Yeah, I mean, like you see, um, especially here in Utah. I mean, UVU and BYU are consistently among the top two. Um, in attendance for women's soccer in the nation. Um, BYU especially, they've, I mean, granted, they have a much bigger stands than UVU does, but they, Fair. I mean, UVU still draws around a really good crowd for each game, which, I mean, I think that, you, like I was saying, you attribute that back to the women's national team kind of just growing uh, exposure to women's soccer, seeing like, wow, this is actually a really good product. Like, People should go out and watch this and people want, like they have that as a goal. Like I want to be Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, so-and-so. And they see that here's the avenue. You've got UVU and BYU here have really good soccer programs. And granted, we've seen more players go pro from BYU than um, UVU, but I think we're going to start we're, I mean, more. I mean, we've seen Amber Tripp just signed a contract and she won't be the last oh yeah easily i guarantee you will have multiple pro signings even next season yeah i mean that's the thing i mean we've talked about this with um just across the board uvu sports are getting much better i mean jose quizera signing with uh cf they had another signing after that yeah yeah you see uh sterling peniston john i mean he's he signed with uh houston dynamo too which is like developmental team for the houston dynamo and i think part of that 
I think you can kind of attribute that back to, at least for the men's teams, uh, having big name coaches a little bit. Granted, it's, it's not that's not like the be all end all, not the reason why <laughs> players are coming here. But uh, like Kyle Beckerman, having him as the face of the men's soccer program, Mark uh, Madsen as the face of the men's basketball program. Those are the types of players that kids will be like, I grew up watching and like, now I, I would love, and I saw you succeed. Now I want to, like, now I want to learn from you. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, um, we're starting to see uh, huge growth under Mark Pope with UVU basketball, and then it kind of dipped a little bit. But I think Madsen, I feel like, was the perfect hire. Oh, yeah. For and his, sure. His enthusiasm and like just how knowledgeable about the game he oh, is, yeah. it, it's honestly a pleasure just to listen to him talk post game. Yeah. I mean, that's, and you kind of want worry a little bit about if, like if another dream job, quote unquote, opens up one of these guys that they're going to jump at it. But I think that they're committed, maybe not forever. They're not. I would be very surprised to see uh, Kyle Beckerman and Mark Madsen here as like career. Like not coaches. like a coach at Toa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, I would love it if they I, would do I, that. But I, I just think I don't see that. You, I mean, eventually, I think that if Mark Madsen is able to lead this UVU program to multiple NCAA tournaments, he's probably going to get NBA assistant mm. coaching positions. He's, he's had, he's held them before Yeah, where I feel like he may be considered potential head coaching candidate in the NBA or at a larger power five university. You just can't keep talent like that for a long period of time. It's rare to have like such a legacy coach like coach Atoa. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's, I mean, You'd love to see, you love seeing those types of coaches. Um, like they're here to build the program up and that's all that they're here for. They're not here yeah. to like kind of, and I'm not saying Mark Madsen or Kyle oh, Beckerman is using their positions to like find a better job more so than there's just certain coaches that come in with the mentality that they like, this is their school and they're going to help them reach the top. And I think that to an extent, Mark Madsen has come a long way with that basketball team. Mm. And Kyle Beckerman really helped turn around that men's soccer team where, I mean, you took down almost the number three team in the nation, but to be in contention in that game was pretty wild. Yeah. And I mean, and looking at this um, men's basketball team, they're on the cusp of getting another 21 season. You haven't had very many of those in the division one era here at UVU. Um, so that, that's definitely, I'm sure that's a huge milestone that Mark Madsen was looking for at the beginning of this season. And now that they're on the cusp of getting it, I think that they, they should get it though. At the very least when, their first game in the WAC tournament if they lose these two, which I don't think they're going to lose both of these two. That's just one of those things where it's you can see how far, not just this program, the men's basketball program, but just across the board, every team is getting better. Well, that's all we got time for on this episode of the Quick Fire Podcast. Be sure to keep your eyes open on our Twitter account at the UVU Review, as well as on the Quickfire Podcast. We may have some special episodes coming out from Vegas. We will also be doing some uh, live content from our UVU Review Twitter that we will have published from the WAC tournament in Vegas. We'll be doing uh, halftime, post-game, as well as giving you the post-game press conferences from the coaches and the players. It's going to be a full insider experience. Yeah, it's going to be really excited. Really looking forward to it as uh, I forget who it was on the New York Jets that said the, the viral gif slash quote, but uh, can't wait. Can't wait. See you guys next week.